awesome first session. If you guys could find your seats, that'd be awesome. Appreciate that very much. What I want to do is I want to take an offering. Um, we all came here. We're being blessed. People flew up from Florida, drove down from Canada, and we uh, want to take an offering and bless these ministries, okay? Uh, we are a generous people. Generosity is powerful. And so um, if you were to go to a conference like this, you'd pay uh, a fair share of money. But we're, we're blessed to be able to um, be here for free. Um, but w we know that none of this happens absent of some costs, right? So uh, we're going to take an offering. The ushers are going to come in just a moment. Uh, but I want to say there's a couple things that uh, would be helpful to you. If you're writing a check, you can make it out to LL. That's E-L-L-E-L, -L -L, Ministries USA. If you have the Faith Chapel app, you can give on there by selecting uh, special offering. If you put cash in the basket that's passed by, uh, every penny will go to support these ministries, okay? Um, and we do want to be a blessing to them, and we are generous people, amen? So let's have the uh, ushers come forward. We're getting ready for a second session. And as they're coming, I'm just going to give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Now let me just pray here. Father, we, we know that you are a generous God, Lord. You demonstrated, you modeled generosity to us in so many ways. And tonight as we give, Lord, we want to be a blessing, Lord, to those who have come and poured into us and are pouring into us this weekend. So we thank you for it. We ask that uh, you, it is you, Father, to bring glory to your name and bless them and bless the homes and the families and the ministries that they're called to do, God. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the ushers will pass the baskets down the uh, rows. Go ahead and feel free to give. Again, you could give on the app by selecting a special offering. You can, you can give by check by writing LL Ministries USA. Um, without further ado, I want to invite Matt up. He's going to bring a powerful word for us. Let's welcome him, please. Thank you, Pastor Jim. And thank you guys for welcoming us. It's been a, I thought it was going to be a chilly welcome, but it was actually very warm uh, from the folks that I've met so far. So thanks for making us uh, feel loved and accepted. And uh, we're excited to be with you. As uh, Pastor Jim said, I'm from Florida. Not originally. I'm an Ohio boy, and I live near Cleveland. So I'm, I, but I try to move away from this weather. And uh, but uh, you know, I like coming to the snow once in a while. It's not bad to come visit it. I just don't like living in it when it's so cold. So um, we're excited about this because I was telling the pastor before. Uh, the service, or Pastor Jim, or maybe he's your pastor, or maybe you're here as a guest, but uh, I just have the sense that this region is very important to the kingdom, and uh, the Lord uh, knows the important spots, and uh, I just feel impressed that this is an important weekend, and actually an important location in the kingdom in the United States of America, that it has such a significance. And uh, the thing about it is that God wants to redeem this earth, right? And this is what we're talking about, his redemption of the earth. And sometimes we talk about the redemption of the earth and we think of people. Redemption of people, and it is redemption of people. But actually, people are made from what? Originally, Adam was made from what? He was made from dust. And then we were given authority by God, as, as uh, Clint just talked about, over the creation. The reason the creation is going out of order is not because of too much uh, carbon fuel, you know. It's actually because human beings are out of order with God. Clint mentioned this at the end of the last session. What we call healing, uh, our definition of healing at LL, and I want you to write it down or memorize it somehow. I'm not trying to tell you to take a copious amounts of notes, but this is worth writing down. Healing is restoring God's order. Healing is restoring God's order. It's not just getting over an illness. It's not just getting um, released 
from an emotional problem. That's part of healing, but that is not what healing actually is. Healing is coming into God's order, body, soul, and spirit, our physical body, soul, and spirit. When our body, soul, and spirit comes into order and under godly authority, then we begin to take back the communities. We begin to take back the nations, and we begin to actually cleanse and take back the earth. Now, we know in our region of authority, then, we influence, we can actually influence the physical earth. Now, I understand that God's going to destroy this earth at some point and replace it with the new heaven and the new earth, okay? But in our lives as believers, part of our responsibility is getting under God's authority so that then we can influence not just the people, but even the physical surroundings that we're in. And so there's something important about this whole thing about us coming under authority. And the reason we start out with this whole explanation of body, soul, and spirit is because so many people are praying for healing, and they're praying for healing, and they're praying for healing. How many have you gone in the past or even now, you've had a condition or a situation you've gone to the Lord about, uh, you've gone to somebody at the front to pray for, you've gone to various ministers that have the power of the Holy Spirit on them, and you've asked for prayer, but you've still continued to struggle, or maybe you even still struggle today. How many of you have experienced situations where you prayed, prayed, prayed yourself and had other people pray for you, but there wasn't a change? I think universally we can all think about times in our life, or even now, when we've had prayer and nothing's happened. And this is, and this is one of the reasons God set up the centers of LL is so that we can bring this truth to the body of Messiah, to the body of Christ, and that they can get in godly order so that they can actually be healed. I want to take a pause for a moment and just say a little more about LL Ministries in general. I'm going to ask uh, uh, ladies in the back to put up these slides. Uh, Kent mentioned that we're based on the scripture Luke 9-11. Jesus welcomed the peace of his people. He taught them about the kingdom of God and healed all that were in need. Uh, and He's made us, we, we go out in churches and teach, and that's part of our ministry, and we even hold schools in different churches. We've got something called the Modular School. You might see a video tomorrow about that. It's called, it's called Explore now. We've changed the name, but it's called Explore. We've got this school that we, we even take out to churches, but we are a center-based ministry. So part of the reason, I believe, is God wants to create safe places physically for people to come in out of the cold and be and be healed and restored. So we've got centers all over the world, and I think uh, ladies will quick flash through. This is an image of the different locations, but actually it's been updated since then. Uh, we're in 40-something uh, uh, nations now that we have a presence or an actual center that's kind of like an outpost or, or an actual center. This is just a sampling. We're in Israel and many other There's nations now I can't even mention that we're in. This is where it all started in 1986 in the north of England. Uh, this is, I could tell you amazing stories. I would recommend if you, we only got two copies of it. It's called Strands of Destiny, and Peter shares the story of how LL came to be. Some of the amazing, miraculous things God has done to establish the ministry around the world. But it all started here with him miraculously being able to acquire this uh, mansion and uh, the Lord had prepared it for them, and they acquired it on October 31st, 1986. So how many of you know what October 31st is? I think that's kind of prophetic, isn't it? They didn't plan it that way, but the closing date on getting the property and giving the bank the money to purchase it was October 31st of 1986. So the ministry has been in place now uh, for over 32 years, going on 33 years. And uh, it's expanded. Now, when Peter Horbin, who is the founder of the ministry, and you'll see the video about the car, I think, perhaps tomorrow, his book is on our book table called Healing Through Deliverance. It's one of the seminal books on deliverance and healing ministry. Many, many different ministries uh, use it. I believe Randy Clark's ministry actually has it as a textbook in there. I've heard that. I haven't actually seen that. Many people have taken, I know Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas has a class on deliverance, and they use that as their textbook. So Peter wrote this book a number of years ago, 
And uh, it's, it's a very important book. I'd encourage you to get hold of it, even if you sell out of copies here, because it's like a tome. You know, you can use it as a, a doorstop. Uh, but it's, it's quite powerful. And when Peter started the ministry, he didn't start it thinking he was going to put 40 centers or 42 centers or whatever around the world. He thought he was going to have this quiet little healing ministry in the north of England. And God has taken it worldwide. It's not some 20-year plan or 40-year plan that we have. But when the Lord lights up a place and says, okay, now it's time to bring it here, then we bring it there, and it's all by faith. And you'll see some pictures of some of the other centers. Now, when you see these, you think, well, LL must be a rich ministry. I don't know why I just gave to the offering. <laughs> but in actuality, every one of these has been required, acquired by major steps of faith and just saying, okay, God, we will take the step you say to take. We don't know how it's all going to work out. Now, this is LL Canada. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, and it's three hours away, so you could go there. Uh, and then you've got this, the Bach House. This is in, uh, in Holland, in the Netherlands. I'll go one more. This is Pierpont, one of the largest centers in the south of England, an old um, boarding school that's been converted. And we acquired that. It's an all-amazing story about that. There's a whole book called The Miracles of Pierpont, written by Jill Southern. We don't have that out on the book table. Uh, but that's an amazing story in itself. Keep going. Uh, and, and then uh, Gilboa, this is in Australia. Keep going. Keep, keep flipping through them. Uh, Scotland. Uh, this is Lindley Manor in England. Okay, we should, we should be there. Okay, and then you got Florida. And we're re really near Tampa. This is the LLUSA uh, headquarters. I'm the, by the way, I don't think Kent introduced himself. Uh, I mean, Pastor Jim did. But Kent is the national director of Canada. And they've got two centers in Canada right now. I'm the national director of the USA. And we have one center in all of the United States, and it's down in Florida. Because Peter, the Lord told Peter to go there, and then he showed him the land, and he purchased it. He's telling the pastor there's a lot of contention over that land. But just this year, 2018, the Lord completely freed it of all the financial debt, all of the issues that were with it, and we are completely free to build now. But right now, this is what you see. We have 140 acres of beautiful farmland in Florida, and uh, it's pretty, but there ain't a lot of buildings, okay? That's uh, Virginian English, so there aren't a lot of buildings, okay? That's part of my youth in Virginia. This is one of the buildings we have, and we have another building behind that, a couple double-wide trailers. Now, when I walked on to the land, when I took over the directorship of this, it's been established since 2005, but when I took it over in 2014 as the director, they called me and said, would you like to take this? We don't know how long you can stay on the land. We don't know what is going to become of it, but would you pray about taking it? And the Lord said to do it. And the Lord didn't tell me I had to do it. He actually said, Matt, this is your choice. And it's like Peter. And today, some of you, the Lord's pricking your hearts and saying, do you want to get out of the boat and go with me on a journey that's going to be risky for you because it requires faith? Or will you stay in the boat? Now, he's not going to punish you for staying in the boat any longer. Now, you may have to bear some of the issues that he wants to heal on that journey, but he's not out to hurt you. But he might be inviting you to step out in faith like he did me in 2005. And that is what Kent was challenging me to do is take a step of faith and say, Jesus, I will give you control and lordship over my life. And when when Peter purchased this land and then he ha had it all these years and it looked like it was going to be. Uh, sold off and all of this stuff. And I came in in 2014. When I went on the land, I said, Lord, what's going on with this? We've got all these centers around the world, these beautiful places. And here in America, the richest country in the world with the most Christians and really dedicated Christians. We're not the kind of, we look at Europe and we think, wow, their churches are, are dead and all of that. These are living churches. It seems like anyway, they're big there's lots of stuff going on in them. And the Lord said to me very clearly, he said, Matt, the way you see the physical of the land of LL is the way that I see the American church in the spiritual. 
she's rich and increased with goods and feels that she's in need of nothing. But in actuality, she is poor, miserable, blind, and naked, and she needs to be clothed. America has incredible power and and influence in the world, but we've lost it because we've got all these things that are binding people up so they can't run the race. And that is what the Freedom Weekend and all the teaching of LL is about, is bringing you guys and the rest of the church and those that would come and hear freedom in the areas they've been bound. I was telling Pastor Kelly today when I got to their home, they're gracious enough to keep Kent and I in their home, and when I went in their home, I shared with her that for years I tried to run the race. You know the scriptures in Hebrews says, run the race that's set before you. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets you. But the fact of the matter is, many times we are trying to run the race, dragging all kinds of stuff along with us. And Jesus never meant for it to be that way. Sometimes he allows a time of testing in our life. Yes, it's difficult, but he doesn't mean for the Christian life to be, to be uh, onerous and we're just waiting to go to heaven. He's wanting to set us free from the burdens and the things that hold us back. But we will say, no, Lord, I've got, I've got it. I'll take care of it. And that's what I did for many years. I grew up a missionary's kid. I think I should share a little bit of my, my faith journey with you. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about forgiveness. And we'll probably uh, do the ministry into that tomorrow morning. But what, what I want to share with you is just a little bit of my journey to where I am now from where I used to be. I was a missionary's kid. While I was in Indonesia as a young man, I, I got wounded. I was a believer. I was born again at eight years old, had a call on my life. The power of the Holy Spirit came on me, took me down to the altar when I was eight. I was weeping. I said, You're, my life is yours, God. I read my Bible. I prayed. And I was doing well until about 12 years old when some traumatic things happened in my life. And some people that I trusted and believed in as godly leaders and godly people let me down in a really significant way. Now, there are many wounded people in the church because people that are professed and are representing Father God have wounded them. And then, of course, you've got your own family issues with your own biological parents and all of these things. But when somebody that represents God really lets you down, really is crushed in our view of God and his trustworthiness because these people are equated with the Lord. And I went wounded for many years, still having the call, went to Bible college, went through Bible college in the 80s, but I knew when I got out that there was no way that I could go in ministry the way I was. I knew I would be a victim of the enemy. I would be another wounded soldier in a little bit of no time. Because you see, when you try to step up into your destiny and you have weight and things holding you back, the enemy doesn't go, oh, well, he's really trying to serve God. I'll just give him a break. No, he twists the knife in every place he has a hold. And many times when people get born again of the Spirit of God, come into the church and then they start walking after God, all hell literally breaks loose in their life. Or you can have a tepid Christian just sitting in the pew doing nothing. But when they start trying to serve the Lord, the knife comes out and all these things start happening in their family, in their physical body, in their emotions. Everything starts happening. Why? Because we have these weights and these things that have come into our lives and we never dealt with them. We've talked about Christianity and God and the blood of Jesus and all of these things, but they, it hasn't been applied in the real places in our life. And this is what LL brought to me when I finally surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. Now, I, I went to Bible college in 85. I graduated uh, as a bachelor's in 90. I graduated with a master's in Christian counseling in 92. And then I knew I couldn't go into ministry. I, and I knew this counseling thing, I could open people up but I didn't have a real solution for them. You see, one of the problems with psychology is, and I'm not against psychology, it's just observation of how human beings work and applying that to help people. There's value in it, but they don't talk about, at least secular psychology certainly doesn't talk about the spiritual aspects of things. 
So there was a missing piece. And so I went to, uh, what do you do when you don't know what else to do and you're a student? What do you do? What do you do? What do students do that don't know what else to do with their life? They go to more school, of course. So I enrolled in law school. And lo and behold, I did really well in law school. I was just hoping maybe to be a politician or something, but I actually did super well in law school. Not that politicians don't do well in law school, but, you know, they, they, I had no ambition to become some big-time lawyer. I just had an interest in being in politics and, you know, being a conservative Christian politician. But while I was in law school, I did well, and I got invited. I, I, I clerked at the Missouri Supreme Court when I got out of law school uh, with, with one of the Supreme Court judges that later became the chief judge. And then I went into a law firm called, uh, by some fancy name, but, you know, they all have the weird names. And, uh, and it was in Kansas City. It was the largest law firm in Kansas City, and it was an international law firm. And it was about 750 lawyers when I was there. And I... And it was it was every man for himself, dog eat dog. But I jumped in there and I worked hard and I was and I and I made it up the ladder of success. I started climbing the ladder of success and I was making money and I was flying first class and I was staying at the Ritz Carlton and I was doing all of these things. But in my heart, there was a longing to do what God had destined me to do. And in your heart, if you're a believer. In fact, even if you're not a believer, let me tell you, God created you with a destiny and a purpose. And he wants you to enter into the destiny and the purpose at its fullest, not just a little bit, not just a shadow of it. But he wants you in the fullness of God's destiny and purpose for you. But as Kent so clearly explained, the enemy of our souls is pulling us back. And sometimes I believe that the people that have the hardest time breaking free into Christianity and into their walk with God are the ones that have the greatest destiny and the enemy knows it. He's tied down that generational line and put stuff in their life to try to keep them from entering their destiny. And he wants you to enter your destiny, but you have to come towards him and trust him. And one night when I was, I had become a partner in the firm and I kept hearing the Lord every time I'd get close to him. I could go to church and I could sit through most sermons. Sometimes there was someone with an extra anointing, and I didn't like that because I started falling under conviction. But whenever time I spent quiet time with the Lord, I always heard this on the door of my heart. Now, you know in Revelation it says, um, if I, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will sup with him and he with me. Actually, that's not a salvation verse. It's about walking in intimacy with Jesus. And he was saying, Matt, can I come in to your heart, like really the core of you, not just be part of your life? I'd ask him into my life. I'd ask in, in our Christian firms and evangelical Christian, I'd ask Jesus into my heart. But he did not have control of my life because I had things locked off. This area you can have, my finances, no. My sexuality, I had a real problem with pornography. And I wanted victory over it. And I asked, Lord, please break this off of me. I don't want to be uh, continually drawn back to this. And it was like a magnet and sometimes. How many, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have been addicted to something? The enemy loves addictions because it keeps people in bondage from entering their destiny. But it was a pull. It was wound. It came from wounding in the spirit, from the crushing, from the, the, the brokenness that came from these people that I trusted letting me down. But I was medicating it with power, position, money, and then this, this what I call, it, it's a deviance from your normal character and nature. As a Christian, I was in church. And I wanted to do what Jesus wanted me to do. But there was this thing that had a hold. And I wanted Jesus to deliver me from it, but I didn't want to give him complete control of everything. And one night in 2005, the Lord met with me when I was reading John chapter 5. I'd finally started reading my Bible again. Big mistake, right? If I want to stay away from the Lord and not hear what he says. 
actually is the best thing I ever did. When I got to John 5, the pool of Bethesda, Jesus says to the man, and this is what I say to you tonight, every single one of us has to face this, and it's not just a one-time thing, friends, because the Lord has us on a journey. And he brings us to points of healing that he wants to heal us in a particular area. And we can say no, or we can say yes. And that day, he was asking uh, by the pool of Bethesda, he asked the man that had been laying there for 38 years. It said he was an invalid for 38 years. He said to the man, that's laying by the pool of healing, do you want to be healed? Now that seems like a weird question, Jesus. This guy's laying by the pool of Bethesda. It's a soul known for healing. And then the man doesn't say, oh, yes, I want to be healed. What does the man say? Well, every time the water is stirred, nobody is there to help me get in, and somebody gets in ahead of me. And as I was reading this, the first thing that caught my eye is 38 years an invalid. I had been, I was 38 years old, and I had been a Christian since a very young boy. Been in church all my life. I had life, but I did not have it abundantly. I was barely surviving. Spiritually, I thought. Oh, I had money. I had power. I had 20 other lawyers, paralegals and such at my beck and call. And when I said jump, they said how high. I had I had power over people. I had money. I had position. I had respect. But I was not in complete submission to Jesus. And without that, we have really nothing. This all this other stuff is sand in our hands. So, that night I got down and I said, okay, Lord, if you really want me to still be in the ministry, I'm willing to do it, but you have to supernaturally show me. Now, I grew up Baptist, Baptist churches, and I have no complaint in one sense with the Baptist church in the sense that they're very solid on the scriptures, but they don't really teach you the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so when I said, Lord, you have to show me supernaturally, I you know, I thought he would show me something that I would be like, yeah, that's it. I didn't kind of expect that he would actually send two people to speak to me, words of knowledge, to read my mail and tell me, you need to go into the ministry. And he did it, taking me on a mission trip to Germany. I won't go into the whole story because we don't have time. The bottom line is that that day when I surrendered was the beginning of my healing. It wasn't the end. The submission to the authority of Jesus in my life in every area. I don't know how many people I've prayed for. I've prayed for person after person in churches, and they've there's areas they've never even revealed to anyone, let alone gotten ministry into or surrendered that area. James says, James says very clearly, confess your sins one to another that you might be what? That doesn't mean you need to stand up in church and say, this is my dirty laundry. But you need to find someone you can trust who's of the Spirit of God to share the truth that is in your life instead of putting on the mask. And my friends, we are out of time. The Lord is coming soon. This is what the Lord's been telling me. It's what he's been telling Ken. We are in the last days. We are out of time. The trumpet call is coming. We're sounding. And the virgins need to wake from their sleep and get ready. Because the king is coming. And we need, to get our, we need to get our hearts right. Get this stuff out. So that we can withstand the tsunami of what is coming. And it's a, it's a sobering thing, friends. But the bottom line is we have to get in right fellowship with God. God is calling the church to get to purity and to healing. So that they can do the next great movement in the kingdom that the Lord's getting ready to do before he returns. So, when I finally surrendered that, when he showed me, I went into the ministry, I left my law firm job, and I took a 75% pay cut, and I said, how in the world is this going to work out? I will tell you that the Lord has been absolutely faithful to take care of me, my daughter's gone through college. She's got two bachelor's degrees. 
And the Lord provided everything for us. The Lord kept us in our same house. I don't know how that we were living in when I was in Afghanistan. We, you know, I had to, the, my lifestyle changes where I got to, ha- I had to get rid of my Cadillac CTS and we drive a 2002 Toyota Camry. I'm really suffering for Jesus, folks. That's what I'm saying. I was thinking about it today. We think all this stuff is so important, but the real impact on our lifestyle is so minimal between people that are making vast amount of money and people that are barely subsisting. And it's not happiness, folks. Every bit of money you get, you need more. I was just talking to somebody who was telling me when they got to a million dollars, they were like, God, I need two million dollars. And when they got to two million dollars, I need three million dollars. It is a never ending cycle. You're always going to need more of this earthly stuff because the stuff that Satan offers will cause you to thirst again. And when you get Jesus down in here and he begins to heal these things and purify you and set you free, then you you you. You have a fountain of living water coming up from inside of you. And it's not just impacting you. It's not just impacting your life and your family, but it's gushing out on all the people around you. The Lord said there would be fountains of living water gushing up from within believers, and it would impact the the people surrounding them. But most of us, what we're doing, folks, most of the church in America, I don't know about this particular church, but most of the church in America, individuals, we're doing a little spill. They get a little bit of the Holy Spirit. They get a little bit of the presence of the Lord. But they, they're not getting the fullness of it. And that can't happen until we come under complete authority of Jesus. That's why this is so important. I will tell you that although I thought I was sacrificing so much to Jesus when I gave up my law firm career and my big salary and my fancy office downtown and, and went to work at my church on staff, that few years later, he showed me that actually he was freeing me from golden handcuffs. Oh, they were the nicest handcuffs in the world, but they were still bondage. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to quit their job going to ministry, but what is Jesus asking you to do this weekend? You don't know; have to know the whole thing. I was praying recently. Uh, well, not recently, about five years ago on the beach. Lord, just show me everything that's going. Show me the way. And he said, son, if I showed you the way, you would be overwhelmed if I showed you what was coming. <laughs> and that's true for all of us, I think. And he, sh- he just gives us the next thing to do. So let me talk for the very few minutes we have left about one of the keys. Because remember I said we come up and we get prayer over and over. I, I wanted to be set free from pornography, but I first had to surrender my life. But that, that was not the healing act. A year after I surrendered, the Lord, within a year, the Lord brought me to LL Ministries. And there they dealt with that root. Now the problem with with much healing prayer is that we are praying for the symptoms. If you look at a tree and you have an apple tree, if you plant an apple tree in the ground and then you wait expectantly, oh, I can't wait to eat the oranges on this tree. They're just going to be so lovely, and then it sprouts up, and then out pops fruit, and you're very disappointed that it's apples. But that is what we planted. That was the root that we planted, and we're expecting a different fruit. So we're going to expand on this roots and fruits thing a little more, but I have to mention that one of the key, the reason we teach keys to healing is many people have roots in their life that is causing this fruit to come in their life and i can pray in the power of the holy spirit for someone oh lord would you heal so and so from uh, take a disease let's say uh, let's say rheumatoid arthritis lord we believe in your healing power and i've got all the power of the holy spirit on me i've got an anointing for healing and i could pray for a person and i say oh lord bring healing to so and so for this for this rheumatoid arthritis and the guy walks out, and maybe he feels a, be- a little better for a few days, but within five days, he's back to the old tune. What's going on? It's because I'm praying. Look, the, the rheumatoid arthritis is a manifestation, as Kent mentioned, of what's down inside the spirit and the soul of the person. 
And we have story after story of when we pray into the spirit and the soul of the person and bring the God's healing into that, into their belief system, into their spirit, down deep in the spirit. That's where the biggest healings are. Then they begin to come alive, and their body begins to be healed. I remember one of the first experiences I had with healing, I just, I'd gone through the modular, the, the modular school at that time, this Explore thing, and I, uh, that we call Explore A now, this school, and I was beginning to minister on the team, and we ministered with a man who came in, and he had, he said, I want prayer for my relationship with my family, and here's the things God showed me. And then he said, under physical issues, he said, well, it would be nice if God would heal my diabetes. And he said, it's type 1. That's childhood diabetes, childhood onset diabetes. And I thought to myself in my great faith, you know, we'll pray about these other things and come see God move, but I'm not thinking of the diabetes part. So we pray into this guy's situation. We pray into his emotions, his spiritual stuff. And lo and behold, two months later, we get an email from him. And he said, ever since you guys ministered to me, I have not had to take any insulin, my sugar has been perfectly normal ever since I left. Now, what, what happened with that? It was because the things inside came into order. We spent very little time. I think it was like a 10 minutes praying about his physical condition of diabetes at the end of this time of ministry. Most of what we did was ministering into the soul and the spirit. And then the body came into order. I, called, I talked to him a couple years later, and he was still, I had no uh, diabetes, no symptoms of diabetes whatsoever. Now, this is why it's so important that we look at the roots of things and not just pray about the fruit. Otherwise, we go around the healing merry-go-round. You know, people that just go around healing, they go into every healing event, every healing service, and nothing's changing. And sadly, many times that gets blamed on their faith. Well, I guess maybe at some point on some level it's about the faith, but in many ways it's not a faith problem. It's an understanding of truth in relationship to the situation and God bringing light into where the root is. And one of the biggest roots, you guys, is this issue of forgiveness. Now, many of us have heard teaching on forgiveness, but I'm going to give you uh, some important keys to forgiveness, and I'll... I'll wind it up in just a short bit on the, in the morning. Uh, we were going to have this session in the morning anyway, so we've got a little extra time, and I'm gonna, we'll pray into it then. But for tonight, I want to share with you what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Because many people don't have an understanding of forgiveness. First of all, can we agree that according to the Bible, forgiveness is absolutely mandatory? Do you know in the Lord's Prayer it says, uh, for if we forgive others their trespasses against us, God will forgive us. But if we refuse to forgive others their trespasses, God will not forgive us. That's pretty strong. That comes right after the Lord's Prayer that says, forgive us this day, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. So we're saying to God, forgive us at the same level as we forgive others. And then he's at, and he told us to pray that way. And then at the end of that, Jesus said, because if you if you don't forgive others, the Father in heaven will not forgive you. So many people are walking around with issues that stem from their inability or their or the maybe even their resistance to fully forgiving. Okay, so let me say really quickly, what is forgiveness not? I'm going to start with that because many people have a misunderstanding. First of all, forgiveness is not forgetting. Many people say forgive and forget. When somebody's wounded you deeply, you will never forget some of those things. If you look in uh, a book on our, on our table, Sarah, read about her life, the things that happened to her, the things that were done to her, the injustice that were perpetrated in her life. She will never forget some of those things. So forgiveness is not forgetting. I can't ever forget what those people did for me, so I can't forgive them. Forgiveness and forgetting are not the same thing. Second, 
It's not minimizing the wrong or declaring the other person not guilty. You're not absolving the other person of their sin. They have to answer for their sin before God. If they've sinned against you and they are unrepentant, they will answer before God. What you, what you want to do is turn them over to God so God can have his situation worked out. But when we hold somebody in from forgiveness, it actually is blocking God from coming in and doing his business with those people. I'm getting a little of ahead. The next thing it is not, it is not denying our anger or pain. Many times we'll say, oh, well, my dad was, he was pretty harsh on me, but he, he tried his best. That's making excuses. To really forgive, we have to come into reality about what the people did that harmed us, what they took from us, what they robbed from us, what they stole from us. I remember a story that Andy told, my predecessor in LAUSA. He's now director of all the centers in England. And Andy used to tell the story of the dying minister too. And his dad had just been horrible to him. And it actually left him as a child. Then came back in his youth, introduced him to drugs, alcohol, and so forth. Then he left him again. And when they said, would you be able to forgive your dad? He said, oh yeah, I just forgive my dad for everything he ever did. And they knew there wasn't reality in that forgiveness. So they went over and they prayed and they said, Lord, would you show him if he has unforgiveness? And they repeated what he had told them had happened in his life. And when they got done, he said this. I hate him and I hope he burns in that fire. Now, here's the thing in Christianity is we don't want to get that real. But the reality is in many people, there is this kind of acidic Issues deep down in their spirit that they just kind of press down. Well, I'll just forget that. I don't want to think about it. It's too painful. I don't want to come face to face with it. But when that stuff is down deep in our spirit, we have to bring it up and be real about it. So forgiving is not, is not minimizing it. It's not denying the anger or pain. It's not avoiding confronting the issue or maybe even going and confronting the person involved. I'm not recommending if you've got somebody to forgive that you go confront them unless the Lord tells you to. But a lot of people, the way they say that, oh, I've forgiven them, is they'll just avoid them. So Joe, uh, George Fogwatch, this is a philanthropy person, I hope nobody saw that name in here, comes into the sanctuary, and, uh, and Kent Bandy knows George, and George ripped him off a while back, and they're both part of the same church. So Kent goes this way, and he avoids ever, ever talking to George. That's not forgiveness, folks. So it's not just avoiding the confrontation or piling around it. And it's not finding someone to blame. Okay, we're not trying to blame someone. It's also, and this is one of the most important, folks, it's not trusting. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. Just because you forgive someone. Look, if a, if a man molests my, one of my daughters, I will likely never trust that man, although I could forgive him. And although I'm commanded to forgive him, I would be a fool to trust him unless he earns my trust. And that takes time. So if you forgive someone, it's not, it's not trusting them. And a lot of people get hung up on the forgiveness thing because they think, well, if I forgive them really from my heart, then I have to trust them again. That's not necessarily true. So what is forgiveness? It's being willing to acknowledge what is really in our hearts when we have been sinned against. What is really in our hearts when we've been sinned against. That is coming into a reality. It's separating the sin from the sinner. It's understanding that sinful people, fallen people do bad things. But God loves that individual with an everlasting love as much as he loves you or the next person. So it's not justifying his sin. He has to enter or she has to enter, uh, answer for his sin. But it is, it is turning them over. In many ways, it's turning them over to God who is the perfect and righteous judge. See, when we've been sinned against and we have wounds, there are judgments. And what I liken it to, folks, is when uh, it is being a lawyer. You, you know how that we love to watch TV shows with the prosecutor. Why are you, why 
meet you on the night of such and such at this location doing this thing. And the prosecutor is accusing the witness, isn't he? Now, the judge is sitting over here kind of impartial, right, during a normal trial. But, but, the, but the prosecutor is accusing the witness. Now, that's very much like we are when we are hurt and wounded by another person. In our hearts, we're accusing the witness. And so what the Lord is asking is, could you back off the accusation, release that person into the freedom of your forgiveness, and turn him over to me, because I'm the perfect and righteous judge. I know everything about that person's background. I know the thoughts and intents of their heart. Could you trust me to judge them and deal with them rather than you judging me? Now, this is not an easy thing because when somebody hurts you deeply, it, it, is, it is painful. There's pain with it, folks. And expressing the pain is different than forgiving. Seeking out forgiveness is an act of your will, and it's a choice you make. But the process of expressing the pain that came from the wounding for which you need to forgive the person is just that. It's a process. And that's why Jesus said, when, when, when Peter said, how many times are we supposed to forgive someone? He said, uh, he said uh, seven times, and Jesus said, no, 70 times seven, which was just uh, colloquialism for forgive and keep on forgiving. Now, that's not a kind of forgiveness that says, I'm going to trust them again, go and let them do the same thing. But it is, when people have been wounded, when you've been wounded deeply, you can have layers of pain and hurt from that wounding. And when the Lord deals with some and you spoon it out, and it's like a bucket of sand. And you take a spoonful and you give it to Jesus. And the pain that goes with it, Lord, I choose to forgive them. And then you're moseying around minding your own business and you start thinking about what, they're do, what they did to you and how they've screwed up your life. And some of you are still suffering the consequences of that in your family, in your own heart, in your own life, in your own physical bodies perhaps. But when it comes up, you don't dwell on it. You don't start going, yeah, that horrible person. You say, okay, Jesus, I'm bringing them back to you again. I'm releasing them again. And I'm taking the pain that you're showing me now and I'm giving that to you. And there's a crying out, there's a releasing of emotions that has to go along with this forgiveness process. It's not just a one and done thing with many deep wounds. It's why we've implemented creativity. We'll talk more about it tonight. So here's, we're, we're at time and I want to let you go on time. So what I want you to do tonight, as I've been speaking, at least, at least 10 of you in here, at least that have thought of someone that's hurt you as I've been speaking. Now, how do you know you've really forgiven someone when the pain related to that event is not there? Well, you won't forget it, but you'll remember it, but there won't be the hideous pain associated with it. So if you're feeling still remembering pain from what somebody did to you, and when you start thinking to yourself and self-talking a little bit, you're starting to say, that's dirty. You know, you're starting to feel that stuff churn up. Then you probably haven't fully forgiven. So if there are people that are coming to your mind now, I want you to take the seats. I wanted to give you time at the end, but we're at time now. If you want to linger for just a couple minutes and sit in your seat to do this, we can. But I'm going to close us in prayer so that you can leave if you need to because we're over time. But if you want to stay for just a few minutes, I'd encourage you to think a little bit in the presence of the Lord. Would that be okay, Pastor Jim, if we just wait a couple minutes? Uh, and, and just spend a little time with the Lord. This is not time for ministry. And by the way, we'd ask you during this weekend, if you're normally ministering to people, be released from ministry. You need to be receiving this. We've come to minister with you. We'll be praying with you tomorrow. We'll minister to those that want to be ministered to. But we, we ask during the event, because we're here during this, that you just be released from, from doing ministry to one another. Does that make sense? And we'll minister from the front some more about this tomorrow. But right now, it's just to maybe list some people and maybe what they did and what it, how it made you feel. People, what they did, how it made you feel. And make your list tonight because tomorrow we want to pray through that. Now, maybe somebody you've forgiven before, but even as I'm speaking, those things are coming up again. It doesn't mean you didn't really mean it the last time. It just means there's another layer here. Jesus might escape that up during this weekend.
This is a master key. We have a little book out on the table called Forgiveness, God's Master Key by Peter Gorbin. Excellent, excellent book. I give them away all the time. I've given them to, I, I don't know how many of them away, the people I've ministered to over the years. But I would encourage you, if there's no other book that you would get, maybe pick that up, especially if you struggle with forgiving. Uh, we're not going to have bookstore after we're clo- after we're done tonight, I don't think, unless the ladies are there. But um, we will have it open again tomorrow. Okay, so let me pray for you, and then I'll let you go. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that you're digging down this weekend in our lives, and you're wanting to bring up some roots. And, Lord, maybe the root of unforgiveness is still there in our lives, or, or ungodly judgments, or maybe it's turned into bitter root judgments, and we have attitudes towards men or towards women or towards a certain group of people, pastors or leaders that, that have grown out of this wounding, and now they become bitter root judgments against us, a whole group of people. Lord, would you show us where we have those wrongs? Because, Lord, we cannot walk in a flow with you and under full authority with you when we're still hanging on to bitterness. So we pray that this weekend, that, Lord, it might be another layer, or it might be for the very first time, that those that are listening tonight and are here tomorrow would be able to release and forgive someone uh, that they have had, they've had unforgiveness towards and judgments about in their own life. I pray that anyone that's here tonight. We just bind anything of the enemy uh, down in Jesus' name, command you to do nothing to harm or prevent these people from coming back. They've chosen to be here. And Lord, we pray that you make their path straight. I pray that you guard them on the way home and upon their return. Protect their sleep. I, I bind anything that would torment them during their sleep or, or come against them in any way or cause them physical pain. We just bind that down in Jesus' name so that they can rest peacefully. I speak shalom into their spirits. And I pray, Father, that you would bring us back together to see your mighty works done by your Holy Spirit amongst us tomorrow as we surrender our will and our purposes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Robert, do you have anything to say, Pastor? Okay. Good night. If you want to sit for a minute and make your list, but bring your list back tomorrow because after we're done praying to it, we're going to destroy it. Okay? So make sure you bring it.